Conversations with Rudy here at Birds of the Black. I am your host, Ben Cerruti. Uh, this is the third MLB draft preview episode of the summer for 2021 MLB draft, which will be on July 11th. The first was back in episode 14 with William Bohr of MLB.com. Second was last week with Matt Thompson of Prospects Live back in episode 16. So if you're hearing this episode and afterwards you want to know about some more about these draft picks or different draft picks that your favorite team could pick up in July and you haven't heard those yet, please circle back to those. But today I'm being joined for the first time by Joe Drake, also of Prospects Live, to talk about some players that have gone undiscussed in my previous two episodes. Joe joins us from sunny Florida and is recently engaged, so congrats, Joe, and welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, we, we've actually been engaged for a while, but just finally got around to getting our engagement pictures done. That's why you saw ah, that. <laughs> Gotcha. Okay. So, but well, yeah. congrats on the engagement anyway. But uh, the dogs in the pictures uh, just were the chef's kiss right there. Oh, yeah. They steal the <laughs> show for sure. <laughs> uh, all right. So first thing I wanted to ask you about, because you're kind of an uh, an more of an area scout for Prospects Live, I feel like. Is that true? Yeah, I guess these days that's pretty much what I've, my role, I would say, has evolved into. Um, okay. I started out as, I guess, a, a fantasy writer more than anything a few years back, and I've slowly made my way to more of the real baseball, uh, you know, writing and scouting, and you know, scouting is what I do most these days, I think. Awesome. So uh, I know I'm actually headed to your area in August, so I know there's uh, quite a few uh, southeast low-A teams in that area. Is that primary, primarily who you go watch, or do you also yeah. go to all the college and high school stuff too? And... I have hit a, a lot of everything so far, to be honest. <laughs> um, it, earlier in the spring, I was at a lot of high school like in-season games and um, hitting the college scene as well. Florida Gulf Coast, uh, also known as FGCU, is right in my backyard, so I hit them quite a bit. Uh, there's Juco Ball here. And then now that we're getting into summer, we've got the uh, you know the minor league season going. I see the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles quite a bit. Uh, they who, are the, uh, we're, that's who we're looking to go see potentially in August. Yeah, yeah, they're the the Twins Low A team, and uh, and now we've got um, like high school travel ball and showcases going on too. So you got you got your pick of whatever you want for you know baseball down here. That's awesome. Um, all right, so 
the reason you're on today is uh, you at Prospects Live are doing a mock draft on Friday. So that is, if I can get this out on Wednesday, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, that's two days from now. If you're listening to this on Thursday, this is one day from now, you will be uh, hosting a mock draft at Prospects Live. It's the second one. Last year's was absolutely phenomenal. Um, They put on a show. Uh, So if you haven't seen it and you love drafts and prospects and baseball in general, you should definitely check it out Friday night live. Uh, I believe it'll be on uh, YouTube, but I mean, go to the prospects at prospects live on Twitter and the link will be up uh, about six thirty central. Is that right? I think so. I, or okay. we may, I think we're looking at a seven o'clock Eastern start, okay. but okay. Seven. So six o'clock central. Then. Okay. Um, okay. Cool. Well, uh, Joe is doing the Cardinals drafting on Friday. And so who better to talk about Cardinals potential picks with than, than Joe today? Um, if you haven't heard the first two episodes, uh, we will talk about how the Cardinals pick. Uh, in the first five rounds, they have six picks. And that's really what we're looking at here is these top picks. I mean, really, after the second round, it's more of a crapshoot uh, on who you end up getting, I feel like. But... Um, we're going to go top five anyway. So Cardinals pick 18th. They pick 54th. They pick 70th, 90th, 120th, and 151st. So again, 18, 54, 70, 90, 120, 151. Um, Joe and I have eight guys we're going to talk about today. Kind of like the last two episodes, but this way it's going to look a little different. Uh, the first two are players that we can maybe get at 18. And the last six are going to be me asking questions about draftees. And Joe has told me in advance who the guys he'd like to talk about is so I can introduce those players. But he is going to give you more than I got. And then if we have time at the end, there's another eight guys that that he might just briefly touch on. So let's see how this goes. You ready, Joe? I'm ready to roll. All right. Well, I'm going to try not to butcher the first guy's name here. Um, So... Prospects Live had the Cardinals in their latest mock draft as of June 11th when I wrote these notes, uh, taking Spencer Schwellenbach. He is a both a shortstop and right-handed pitcher for Nebraska. So if you remember last year with the second pick that the Cardinals had, they took Mason Wynn out of high school. He was a shortstop and right-handed pitcher. Uh, Schwellenbach was originally number 71 on prospect lives big board and 53 on MLB's big board but i have not checked the updated versions of either so it's probably somewhere around there uh so maybe he would be first round maybe he would be second round but the cardinals uh prospects live did have the cardinals taking him at 18 in their latest mock last i checked the nebraska cornhuskers shortstop was hitting 284 but he had a 4 403 on base and a 459 slugging and 223 plate appearances um, he played in the Northwoods League Summer Ball last year and hit better than that by OPS, um, so better than an 862 OPS and just over 100 plate appearances there. This year, he had thrown, uh, pitched in 18 games, thrown just over 31 innings as a reliever. He had allowed only 22 hits and eight walks for a whip under one. He had struck out 34, so over one an inning. I've read he's got a big arm, both short and on mound. And I believe I saw he's a fastball slider guy, but you could talk more about that. Um, can you tell us more about just his hitting and pitching profile? What's to like about him at number 18? And then being a college guy at 21 years old at the time of the draft, is he a guy that 
maybe would be both a good value pick and also somebody to save money on so they could reach later. Yeah, let's start with that, that first part right there. Um, he's actually a junior, so it looks like he's got mm. one more year of eligibility left. So okay, sorry that, about that. No, no, that's okay. That this is a good thing to talk about because it, it gives you know talks about what teams look at in the draft. And uh, with him having the ability to go back to school, it shifts the leverage a little bit more in Spencer's favor. Um, so he likes that. But I mean, this is a, this is a talented guy. So if you're picking him, you're not going to necessarily save money in the first round because of that you know his ability to go back to school um this is a guy you're going after because you're like you know we really like the stuff and we want him here we don't think we'll be able to get him you know by the time 54 comes around or something like that so he's he's a guy you want to go after if you like this stuff um like you talked about he's a really versatile guy he's played both shortstop and he's a he closed for nebraska although we saw him pitch um he was against arkansas in, in the college world series where he threw like four or five innings um, and just really shut those guys down. And that, I think that was really something that has spiked his stock. Uh, when you see a guy, you know, come out of the pen and able to dominate like that for multiple innings, it really, it answers some questions the scouts might have like, Oh, how does this stuff play, you know, for more than one inning, you know, how does it look when he has to see guys more than one time? Um, and so on the mound, he was very impressive lately. Uh, the fastball usually sits low, you know, low nineties, 90 to 94. Uh, he touches 96 and he's got some run on it. Um, and then, yeah, the slider is probably, I think that's his best pitch. You know, I've watched a little bit. It's, it's 78 to 85. Um, it gets good two plane movement, which means it moves, you know, both laterally and you get some vertical depth to it. And that, that vertical depth is important because it helps it miss bats. You know, that the ball dives under the barrel at the last moment and hitters just can't quite get it. Um, yeah. That, that lateral movement can help with the weaker contact, but yeah, missing bats vertical is huge. Absolutely. So when you've got when you've got a guy who's got a you know two plane break on the slider like that, it can make it a very devastating pitch. And I would say it you know it flashes plus where it just looks absolutely dominant at times. So it, it's an exciting pitch. And so what what really makes him, I think, what the key will be for where he goes in the draft is how much teams think that they can help um, you know I guess make the change up a more consistent pitch. Um, it's shown good fade. Um, he shows good arm speed, which means he, he sells it well when he throws it. He throws it like he's throwing his fastball. And then all of a sudden you see the ball kind of die and fade away under the bat. Um, but like you said, he's, he's been mainly fastball slider in college. And so teams haven't seen that as much. And you really, you know, if you're, if you're going to start in the major leagues, you really probably want to have three pitches you can use. You can attack you, know, you need something to attack both right-handers and left-handers to be able to turn lineups over. And so whether or not teams think they can develop that change up more so that he's conf you know, confident in throwing it uh, more often, uh, that's probably going to drive where we see him get selected. Gotcha. Um, so if you're the Cardinals and you take him at 18, just a kind of a more of a random question, we didn't prep here, but yeah. would you – look at him more as a pitcher, more as a shortstop, or would you try to develop him doing both? I think I would stick with him on the mound. Um, he's very athletic. The delivery is really simple and and easy with, you know, just moderate effort. And it just looks kind of, he stands out more on the mound, I would say, than at the plate. I think he's a serviceable hitter, like, like we talked about, very athletic. He plays shortstop, you know, for Nebraska. You know, it, the guy's obviously no slouch at the plate. Um, I just think the ceiling is a little higher on the mound. You could see him, 
you could see a path to him being a starting pitcher. Um, or it, it's really easy to see a team being like, hey, we're just gonna, we're going to leave you in the pen. We're going to get you up to the big soon, and you're going to be an asset, out, you know, at the back of the bullpen potentially. Um, so personally, I I like him more on the mound. Um, you want me to go and do like more of what the profile is at the plate? Uh, yeah, I think I'd like to just because looking at the 862 OPS this year and 911 last year in summer ball. I mean that. I mean I realize that it's not like the you know, it's not like the former GCL known as a pitcher's league or anything like that. <laughs> but but it's also, I don't think the Big 12 is the former, you know, Pacific Coast League either, you know, where you're right. playing in Vegas right. and Albuquerque. So, I mean, a 900 plus OPS in a wood bat league and hitting that well again this year in college after most of a year off. Um, I just looking at his walk to strikeout numbers in the, you know, he's got 493 plate appearances in NCAA and summer ball combined. He's got a 66 walks to 96 K. So looks like a fairly decent bat tool since he's hitting over 280 with a, a walk to strikeout ratio. That's not terrible. Um, so yeah, I think I'd like to touch on the bat a little bit more at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you said, he, he's put up some impressive like performances, especially like you like to see that OPS up there in the wood bat league. It just knows that like it, it really kind of proves that he does have some pop in the bat. Cause sometimes, sometimes what you get in college with the metal bat is some you can, guys can muscle the ball into the outfield for base hits. Um, even when they don't really square it up, like off the handle, like in a place where like on a wood bat, the ball might die and, you know, just be a, easy ground ball or weak pop-up in the infield on a metal bat sometimes you get enough to push it into the outfield so it's nice to see him have that success with a wood bat just shows you he's he's getting the barrel to the ball and he's got some strength and he's able to you know drive it um so at, at the plate he does have pretty good feel for the zone um you know, probably doesn't hurt that he's a pitcher and he sees it from both angles uh but he he does show the ability to you know take a walk and sit on pitches to hit uh, there's a little bit of swing and miss, like you talked about with the strikeouts, uh, but not a lot. It's a pretty solid hit tool. Um, the swing is relatively short. There's a little bit of lock to it, so he can lift the ball. It's not necessarily a line drive only type of approach. Um, but the one thing that concerns me you know, going forward is, is the uh, the body looks pretty mature to me. I don't think there's a lot of room left for growth to mm. add more strength. And I think that the, like, the power is probably going to tap out around – um, I'd call it a 45, so your fringe average. So not quite an average power hitter for uh, the majors. And I think the, the the hit tool is probably right around there. You're looking at like a, you know, below average to fringe average hit tool and power tool at the next level. And I just don't know that he's such a good defensive shortstop that that carries him to the majors. You know what I mean? I think he's more of a, he might be more of a bench bat utility type guy as a hitter. In the pros, whereas the, on the mound, I think he projects like a little bit better, especially if, you know if you get him in there focusing on pitching um, instead right. of doing both. Okay, that makes sense. So you take him at eighteen if he's willing to try it out as a starter, basically. Yeah, yeah, I'd be comfortable with that. All right. Okay, the second guy we want to talk about. Um, actually, this is interesting because immediately after I published the first one with William Bohr, my first uh, episode 14, uh, at GM Gersh, uh, Cardinals fan on Twitter, um, 
DM'd me as soon as he finished the episode, basically, and said, hey, you need to get somebody to talk about James Wood, or James Wood, an outfielder from IMG Academy. So, GM Gersh, you're going to be happy here, because that's who we're going to talk about next. Um, like I said, he's an outfielder from IMG Academy. Um, Prospects Live latest mock has him going to the Cardinals with their second pick, number 54 in the draft, or at least when I wrote this. I don't know if there's been a mock since then. Um, the write-ups of this kid uh, that I've seen were that he was at 33rd on the prospect live list and 29th on MLB. So if he dropped the Cardinals at 54, that would be um, really nice, I, I would say. Um, yeah. I've heard he's got a good hit tool. I've heard he has big power potential. I've heard he's got a very big right field arm. And those very big things uh, go along with him as he is 6'7", 240. Um, he would, sounds like he's got a very high upside type of kid with a lower floor. Um, so what's so intriguing about this guy? Those tools, yeah. or is there more to it? No, you hit the nail on the head here. He's got you know, just some monster tools. And like you said, like at 6'7", 240, he is huge. He's big and he's strong. It's easy to see where all the power comes from. You know, just a massive dude, especially, you know, 6'7", 240 in high school. You're like, holy cow. This dude immediately stands out on the field. Um, but the one – the one thing that kind of sets him apart a little bit is that he's still athletic for that 6'7", 240. He's a good basketball player as well. Um, so he moves pretty well right now. The concern, I suppose, for like the, the you know, down, like projecting him later on is, is you wonder how that body is going to develop going forward. How much more weight is he going to add? Um, you know, is, one of the concerns for him is that he could potentially outgrow the outfield, which kind of sounds, <laughs> sounds funny when you say it like that. But uh, it's possible that he adds, you know, too much weight as he matures and fills out and kind of really grows into his, his man body, so to speak. And, you know, it drives the athleticism down and kind of makes him a first base only type of bat, which it's not the worst thing in the world, but it really puts a lot of pressure on him to hit. You know, if you can't have there aren't many first basemen in the majors who don't hit, you know, <laughs> so it, it really kind of puts the pressure on him there. But the, I mean, the tantalizing stuff with him is he's got huge raw power. He really drives the ball. Um, and he still has pretty good feel to hit. He had a great showcase season last year, like through the summer and the fall, where he hit, you know, a lot of the top arms that he saw in competition, which is, which really bodes well. Um, and it had his draft stock really kind of soaring as we came into the spring this year. But then he struggled during the season. He just didn't hit as well as he had on the showcase circuit which is it's it's kind of concerning um it just really makes it, it makes you question what you saw you know what i mean um yeah. he, he saw some good arms and he hit them so like why you know what what changed in the, over the course of the spring so i think it just adds a little bit you know a little bit more doubt into the profile it makes you i guess hesitate a little bit more as to whether you know how well it hit two will develop in on the pro side yeah and uh... I don't know. My dad was a softball co coach when I was growing up, and and he um, he always talks about like the, how to pitch to some bigger girls when we would go out to play, like you know those country strong teams that would just pound everybody. Mm -hmm. And um, is there any worry about him getting too big? Where him being six seven, that's a big strike zone. Um, yeah. Is there any worry about him not being able to cover the whole thing if? If you, you know, if he, if he gets that big, but he's also gaining that weight where he's only a first baseman, 
uh, or only a DH is that potentially coming to the NL? Uh, I don't know. Do, do you see like holes in the swing in terms of uh, not being able to turn around or not being able to get up on the ball or anything like that yet with him at least? Yeah. Um, it's hard to say right now. Um, I haven't seen him live yet, so it's hard okay. for me to speak on that specifically. Um, just IMG video. is, yeah, just, just kind of video. And sometimes it's really hard to get enough looks to say like, oh, there's a definite hole in the swing. But one, you, you're, you are spot on here because one of the things with the, a guy with such such a big frame, you know, six, seven, is he's got really long arms. And so, you know, those long levers take, make it take a bit longer to get the bat through the zone. And so sometimes it's hard for those guys to cover everything or to catch up to velocity, especially when you've got it up in the zone. So that, that's like a, a common kind of thing. Um, you know, that high fastball, you know, yeah. against you know, guys with long arms like this, sometimes they have a hard time getting around on it. So you're absolutely right there. Okay. Um, anything that you feel like you missed on Schwellenbach or Wood before we move on? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it would be fun to – to get either of these guys in the org and, and just kind of see what happens. Schwellenbach, the guy who could move fairly quickly to the majors, I would think, you know, being a, a college arm versus um, James Wood might be, might be a slow burn if you go with him just to kind of, you know, you don't want to push it too much at first. You really want to see him adapt at every level. Yeah. And I think the Cardinals have kind of found that with like a, like a Jan Torres that they traded for and, and those bigger guys that, that sometimes it can be more of that slow burn. Uh, yeah. Young. I've actually got one quick comparison on Wood. Oh, okay. Is um we've seen Jordan Walker, who's a similar. Walker is not quite as big as Wood, but he's it's a similar type of profile where he's a big kid with you know long levers and a lot of power, and we're seeing him hit really well in Palm Beach right now. So I wonder, you know, maybe that gives the Cardinals just like a little bit more confidence to go after Wood and being like, okay, we've had some success with Jordan. Maybe we can continue that with James, and that okay. would just be. That would be really interesting. Talk about a really like a thunderous middle of the order if those two happen to pan out. Yeah, that's true. Good point. All right, so at this point, if you've caught the last two podcasts, uh, we're going to vary from the typical script a bit. Um, on the last two, I wanted to try to highlight some guys uh, that the Cardinals could take at each of those spots in the first five rounds. What I want to do today is I'm going to have Joe answer some questions for me. For the next six guys, we're going to talk guys who are not likely to be taken in the first round for the most part, um, although they could you know, potentially still go there, of course. But I'm going to ask questions. And so just, just listeners, when you hear these questions, just remember you're not going to be necessarily getting the creme de la creme here, right? We're not talking about like who's got this loud tool that's going to go in the top seven because the Cardinals can't get that guy at pick 18. Um, so we're going to talk about just some fun stuff that I'm usually interested in. Uh, the first question is, um, Joe, give me a first, give me a non-first round pitcher that is not a thrower, but already knows how to just be a pitcher. Um, and so why don't you introduce, or why don't you tell me who your choice is, and then I'll introduce him a little bit, and that's kind of how we'll play this out. So who's that first, not first round pitcher that's not a thrower, he already knows how to be just a good pitcher. Absolutely. So we're starting with a guy who really scrapes that non-first rounder guy. This guy like might go right in the comp round. He literally might go right after the first round ends. He's right in the area. It's Doug Nikhazy. He's a left-handed pitcher from Ole Miss. Um, and he's had, he's just had an absolutely outstanding season. It's for him. It's not like, you know, like you said, it's not the stuff that pops. 
Um, his fastball sits 88 to 91 and he runs it up to 94. And, you know, and it, it was, as we've seen in, you know, in the bigs lately, like that's definitely not, you know, <laughs> an exciting fastball profile. Um, but what stands out for him is he does, he, he just pitches very well. He's very deceptive on the mound. He's got a crossfire delivery, which means, um, you know, as a lefty, that, that landing leg doesn't go directly at home plate. It kind of comes off to the left a little bit. And then he, you know, rips his body around that coming back at the plate. He, and he creates a very tough angle on hitters, especially on left-handers because that, you know, for left-handers, that ball is like coming at him almost from behind them from the very mm-hmm. start. So it's tough. He's very deceptive. He works the edge as well. He sets up his pitch as well. Um, it's a fun profile where like none of the pitches necessarily really stand out, but the total package that he's able to bring to the mound has just really dominated the best, you know, I mean, the SEC is like pretty much the cream of the crop for college baseball, you know, most of the time. And he has really been able to dominate this year. So it just shows you that if you are able to pitch and you know what you're doing out there, you got a plan and you're able to execute, you can still really have a lot of success. All right. So a few more questions on Nikhazy for me. Uh, One thing I wrote down, uh, you mentioned mostly the fastball, but you said he really has the total package of pitches. Um, Mm -hmm. Curveball is his second best pitch, yes? Yeah, I think so. Um, it really tunnels well with the fastball. It's it's a vertical breaker, and he he's got a really like over the top arm slot, which helps for that. So the fastball comes out you know high like that, and then the, the curveball comes right out of the same slot. And then it, it, a lot of them have pretty good bite. It's a it's a one to seven shape, so it's really mostly you know more depth than uh, yeah. than sweep to it. Um, but it, some you see some of them that he drops in, and they really just break hard at the end, diving under bats. Okay. And then that would make sense that, that his slider might seem a little bit more like a cutter. I've seen his slider described as cutter like. Um and so if he's yeah. coming over that over the top top over the top spot, that makes sense that it would maybe be a little bit of a cut to it, uh kind of just to mirror his change up. So he does have a cutter and a change up or a slider and a change up. Um Yeah, yeah. Do those exactly. two basically mirror each other? Yeah, a little bit. Because yeah, the, the slider and or cutter, whatever I think he's one of those guys where he has the ability to manipulate that a little bit. So sometimes it's shorter and tighter and other times you see it get a little bit more sweepy with more lateral movement, but yeah, they basically they're, they're mirroring each other fairly well. Okay. Um, cool. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so the fourth guy we're going to talk about, uh, I asked Joe to give me a non first round pitcher that I, that just, has purely the best fastball out of anyone on the list. Um, maybe a guy that many haven't heard of. So we didn't want like Jack Leiter, Kumar Rocker, people like that here. Um, who's this? Who's this guy that just has this awesome fastball? All right. So this one might catch a few people off guard. Um, we're gonna go with a guy who has a really good, like, just analytically based fastball. Uh, and this is Gage Jump. He's a he's a prep kid, a high school kid from California, um, and he's got a smaller frame. He's a five eleven, one seventy, and the fastball, like when you look at the velocity, it really doesn't stand out at all. Um, he sits low nineties. He's ninety to ninety three, and he's run it up to ninety five this spring. Um, and even for a lefty, that doesn't necessarily like, really jump out off the page for you. But what's so great about his fastball is that it's it's one of those things where it's, it's very, you know, what they call flat. Um, so because of his 
I guess you call it lesser size. You know, he's on the smaller end. Um, and he's got pretty good extension. Like he gets down the mound pretty well. Uh, he releases that fastball at a, at a low, a, a lower height. And so when he's throwing it up in the zone, because it also gets good backspin, he, he backspins it really well. Um, it, the ball just doesn't really sink that much. It, it, it almost looks like it rises sometimes. Um, and it makes it really tough for hitters to kind of get the barrel up to it. Um, and so it, it's just one of those things where like, it doesn't necessarily stand out when you see it, um, even on the mound. But it's one of those pitches where you're like, man, every time he throws his fastball, hitters just can't seem to square it up. And you're like, it was only 92. I don't quite get why. And this is why. It's just because it has that, you know, that great, you know, vertical approach angle. It's, it's very flat and it makes it very tough to square up. It's similar to a lot of the qualities that make Jack Leiter's fastball very good, just at a lesser velocity. Gotcha. Yeah. MLB.com described his, you know, seemingly normalish fastball 92 or whatever as dark mm-hmm. because yeah. nobody just, just nobody picks it up. So they call it a dark fastball. Like you just can't see it right. Um, and yeah, I, I do like how you went into the vertical, uh, vertical approach angle. Um, uh, there's some pretty fascinating articles out there about that, that I've just gotten into in the last probably six months that, that I, I don't know that I feel good describing it quite yet but i think the way you're describing it and those articles describe it kind of helped me out with that um and i think you guys can hear why gage jump out of uh elisa california high school kid is um i I believe joe you called it the most intriguing fastball that's not in the first round and and i think you can kind of hear why when when joe describes it the fifth guy we're going to talk about is another pitcher um, so we're kind of breaking it down to pitchers and then hitters here in these questions. Uh, so another non-first round guy that maybe the Cardinals could get, but that has the singular best breaking pitch in the draft. So a non-first rounder who's got the best breaking pitch. Um, who are you looking at? All righty. This was a tough one. There's there's a lot of guys with good breaking balls. And obviously, like the best ones tend to go in the first round. Um, I considered Seth Lonsway here. who has got a very good curveball, but I ended up going with Thatcher Hurd. He's another California kid, um, but he's more the opposite of a jump where he's, you know, he's a right-hander and he's like 6'4", 205. So a much more traditional, you know, starting pitchers build. Uh, He's really athletic. The delivery is really easy. And what's fun about him is that he only recently started um, pursuing like a, a, a pitcher, a pitching path. He was a catcher before. So, you, you know, you kind of already know he's got a strong arm. Um, but what's been so exciting about him is that Thatcher Hurd spins the ball really well. So his fastball has great spin, which gives it very good, you know, um, you know, vertical movement. It gives it that ride up in the zone, but he spins the slider even better. Um, it sits at about 78 to 80, um, which is not, you know, obviously that's not ideal. Uh, but as he kind of grows into it, you know, grows into his body, fills out a little bit, adds some strength and, and, you know, continues to learn how to pitch because he hasn't been doing this for very long, there's a good chance that he's able to add some velocity there. But what's really exciting about his slider is that he, I think it was last summer, he averaged over 3,000 RPMs on, you know, on that pitch, which is very, very high. Uh, it would be one of the better sliders, as far, you know, just pure spin rate wise, um, not necessarily talking about anything else, but pure for pure spin, it'd be one of the better sliders in major league baseball when he's, you know, really at his game. So it just gives a pitch huge potential. 
you know, coming out of the draft. It's a, what do you call a gyro slider, which means it has more depth than sweep. So it kind of goes, it goes straight down almost like a curveball. Uh, Cardinals uh, fans, you'd be looking kind of like a Giovanni Gallego slider when you talk yep. about something like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, you know, despite his limited experience on the mound, he spins this pitch really well. It's got, you know, solid velocity for now, and he has decent command for it. Um, he's not, you don't see a ton of them get away from him. He's able to locate it relatively, you know, where he wants it to go. Um, so it just makes it a really exciting pitch, you know, to be able to get some, a, a pitch like that, you know, a guy with a pitch like that outside the first round, it, it's, a it, it's an exciting guy to watch, you know? Um, okay. Two things about that. Uh, Griffin Roberts, Cardinals took him a couple of years ago in the draft, 2019, 2019 draft, I'm pretty sure. Um, he had the big slider out of college. Is Thatcher Heard kind of like an unrefined version of that, or am I misreading? Uh, potentially, potentially. I think Thatcher has a kind of a, a better build than Griffin Roberts did. Let me pull up Griffin real quick. But I think he's kind of a, a I guess Griffin was kind of in the, uh, no, I guess they are about the same. Griffin was kind of in the uh, reliever only type build where he was just like kind of strictly fastball slider and he was already a little older coming out of college um thatcher as a prep kid with very limited pitching experience kind of gives you a lot of potential there um so there's there's a you know there's a strong chance that this kid could start okay all right um second question i had about him is with the quote-unquote sticky situation going on in major league baseball right now any worries about a kid who just picked up pitching and is already at a 3,000 spin rate that, you know, high school, they probably can't uh, crack down quite as easily or anything like that or don't have the trained umpires to do so? Any worries there that you get them into professional ball and there's nothing there really? I don't think so. And I can't, you know, I can't speak to this from too much experience, but my guess is that like a lot of these kids really aren't going deep into, you know, using things like spider tack and stuff like that. And and maybe I'm wrong here. It maybe uh, you know, I I might have a little bit of inexperience on this front and it maybe coaches are helping these kids with that kind of stuff. Um, but assuming that he it's a, you know, a thing he's able to do naturally because there are guys who just are born with the ability to spin the ball really well, whether they just have big hands or really long fingers or right. extraordinarily strong fingers, things like that. There are human traits that allow you to do this. Um, assuming that, you know, this isn't foreign substance aided, it actually makes me like him a little bit more because he's just got an innate ability to spin the ball. That's really going to stand out as we see spin rates across the majors and minors start to come down. It, it would make him stand out that much more. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, by the way, for anybody listening that, that is a huge Thatcher Heard fan or anything like that, I have no reason to ask that at all besides what's going on in Major League Baseball at this very moment. Um, all right. <coughs> so we're going to use Thatcher Heard, the former catcher, as a transition point to position players. Um, I know this first one, we're going to cheat a little bit and go with a guy who's been linked in the first round in multiple drafts. But um, I asked this question of Matt Thompson 
last week, and he gave me a different answer. So I'm really excited to hear about this guy. Um, I, I asked Matt, who's kind of a first-round guy who is – and I wrote the wrong thing there. Who's a first-round guy who is the baseball equivalent to a gym rat? Somebody who eats, sleeps, and breathes baseball, has the baseball IQ off the charts. Um, you can use your eye-rolling – here to you know say like who's this guy that plays quote unquote the cardinal way since this is a cardinals podcast um and your answer is a left-handed hitting center fielder he has a plus bat and plus speed maybe plus plus speed from what i've heard um he's also a guy that has more walks than strikeouts as a hitter something the cardinals that have looked at lately in drafts but tell me about your uh your your center fielder that you want to talk about here as just this baseball iq gym rat guy Absolutely. So, yeah, like you said, we, we're cheating a little bit here, but this guy just, he absolutely screamed, you know, the answer to this pick. And uh, if he was able to, you know, somehow fall to 18, uh, which I don't think is out of the question there, I think there is a legitimate chance he's on the board at 18 when the Cardinals come up to pick. Um, but it, this guy is Sal Frelick from uh, Boston College. And he just, he's an absolute gamer and a grinder for, you know, lack of a better way to put it. I think he's the best fit for this question in the entire draft. And so I just, I, I couldn't pass on talking about him here. Um, he reminds me a little bit of Tommy Edmond, but with better tools. I think he's got some more power than Tommy. He might be faster than Tommy, which is saying a lot. But like you said, like there are some plus plus speed grades on Sal. Um, and I think he'd be, he's a, a no doubt center fielder. So you, you've got a guy who's a terrific athlete. He's got great instincts in center. Um, there's no doubt that he can stick there long term. Um, and at the plate, like obviously he, you know, we're not talking Ken Griffey Jr. here, but he's got a very he's got very good feel for the barrel. It's a short, quick, you know, quick stroke that the barrel stays in the zone a long time. It's a line drive approach, but he impacts the ball pretty well. It's not like we're not talking about a guy with no power. We're talking about a guy who probably has you know. 10, I'd say maybe 10 to 15 homer power, but a lot of doubles and triples. Um, it's just, it's an exciting profile. It, it, he's a guy you probably call, I don't know, people use, people use the word scrappy, even though I think he's better than that. You know, Sal's not necessarily, he, he's, he's a gritty, intense player. And, you know, anytime you hear interviews with him, you always hear rave reports on the work ethic and the type of guy he is. He just, for me, he screams, you know, the answer to this question. Cool. I like it. Um, two more. Oh, yeah. So we got two more guys we're definitely talking about. Two more questions. These are, I tried to make these just fun type deals. Uh, we hear a lot about guys with like huge powers. So you're hearing about uh, that kid from Notre Dame a lot. Uh, but you I want to first. Yes. Thank you. I was going to butcher that name. Um, uh, so a non first round guy who you most believe could have a season with 40 doubles or triples. So non home run extra base hits and 20 steals in them at some point in their career, you know, just could have this one amazing season with 40 extra base hits that aren't homers and 20 steals in them at some point. All right. If we were sticking in the first round, this it would be the same answer as last. I think Sal Frelick really embodies this quite a bit. But going outside the first round, I'm going to go with a guy named Dalen Lyle. Um, 
He's athletic, strong dude, six foot, about 200 pounds. Um, and he's got what might be the best hit tool in the class with some solid power. And uh, he's probably an, an above average runner as well. Are you talking hit tool in the high school class or the draft class as a whole? The whole draft class. It's one of the Ooh, best. Okay. He's got, he's just got great hands. It's a, he's got just really good feel for the barrel. Just anytime he, you know, makes contact, it seems like he's squaring the ball up. Um, and he, he has power, but not so much that he's you know, going to be driving the ball over the fence a lot. And so with a, a gap to gap, you know, line drive type of approach, a guy who can really impact the ball, square it up well and runs pretty well. I think he fits this, you know, this kind of mold pretty well. Um, defensively, he probably ends up as a left fielder. Um, and the reason for that is just because he's got a weaker arm. Um, that said, there have been reports that he, you know, he knows that and he's working on that. Um, so he's trying to add some arm strength, you know, add, add some velocity, so to speak, but from, you know, the you know, defensive side rather than on the mound. So it's, it's not, it wouldn't be outlandish to say like he developed some arm strength and could stick in center field. And that would make that, you know, if, if teams saw him as, as a potential center fielder down the road, it would drive um, his draft stock up a little bit. But as it stands, he's probably a little bit lower, you know, maybe outside the first couple of rounds. Um, but a guy who could be a very a solid asset in that sense. All right. Um, I'm going to make a random, seemingly random, maybe. Uh, probably not too random because he <laughs> made his debut last night. But uh, comp here, is this a guy who could be a – and this comp is seeming, seem, seeming silly to me now that I'm looking at the stats up a little bit more. but like a large newt bar. But uh, looking at his stats, I think newt bar doesn't quite have the hit tool that, that you're talking about with Lyle is my guess. Um, I was just trying to yeah. think newt bar lower average in the minors than I thought he had. I just, his 329 this year was standing out to me more than others. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's interesting. Um, Lars is probably a little bit bigger and a little more power oriented than Dalen is, but um, I, I still think he's a pretty good athlete as well. And so I don't, I don't think you're far off. The average definitely stands out so far this year. Lars has really taken a step forward and that's been a lot of fun to see. Um, I would look at Dalen as probably a little more hit over power though. Okay. All right. And then the last guy we want to talk about, uh, this excites me again, as Matt Thompson and I said last week, we both kind of love catchers. So we're going to talk about a catcher here. But um, I wanted to know somebody who you could see both as a future gold glove winner and a guy who could like slap out a season with a 375 on base percentage and just be this on base monster gold glove guy. And it, it just happens to be a catcher. And that that's kind of cool to me. Um, he is uh, an Arkansas catcher. And, and I'm just saying this because uh, last week they put up like, I forget, 243 runs in one game and then got eliminated two games later. Um, but uh, from what I've heard, he's got a great throwing arm. I've heard he's a contact bat. Um, but, and, and the reason I like you bringing this kid up is the Cardinals have done really, really well with great defensive catchers in the minors. And so this is a guy I think that, you know, if they're looking at making an upgrade this year at the trade deadline, it might take an Ivan Herrera or an Andrew Kisner to do so. 
And so getting another great defensive catcher that has a little bit of hit in him could uh, could be something they'd look at in the draft so that they feel more comfortable trading away one of those guys for when Yachty is gone. Um, so go ahead and talk about introduce this guy a little bit and talk about him a little more than I have. Absolutely, yeah. We're talking about Casey Oppitz. Um, he's a 5'11", 200-pound catcher from Arkansas, like you said. Um, and he's a really – he's a very strong defender, and he has those – those intangibles that you kind of look for in a, like a, a mature catcher who's going to like lead the pitching staff. Um, this is a guy who has called his own games for the last couple of years, which is becoming more and more rare across amateur baseball, um, which I think is unfortunate, but I can understand, you know, why coaches would kind of move away from that. If, you know, if winning is being prioritized, you know, having the coach call the pitches, I can understand why they would want to do that. So it's just even more impressive that Casey's been calling the games uh, from behind the plate. And I just, when you combine that, you know, he's got some decent athleticism back there and a, such a strong arm, which is, I think, you know, if, if we see the automated strike zone come to the major leagues, that strong arm is going to be something that's more and more important for catchers. Um, I think there's a, there's a shot that he could be a, a gold glove winning, you know, catcher. Now, Obviously, since we're looking at outside the, you know, the first round, some of the, it's going to be a little bit of a stretch, you know, it's, it's going to have to be a, like the absolute peak for Casey's uh, outcome. But I do, I think he has the tools where if everything came together, right, it could happen. Um, and I, I think the toughest thing for him might be getting to that 375 OBP. He's got a great approach at the plate. It's very professional. He's got good feels for the zone. Um, he doesn't chase a ton and you can see he's, he walked 32 times this year and only struck out 33 times. So like it's, he, this isn't a guy who's swinging and missing at a lot of stuff. Um, but the, there's not a lot of thump in the bat. <laughs> so it's not, so the one thing we kind of worry about at the next level is pitchers aren't going to be afraid to come after him. So you'll see guys just really challenge him in the zone. And I think, that's something that we could see, like maybe, you know, maybe that holds the batting average back because guys challenge him a little bit. But I do think, you know, at his, you know, at his peak year, if the bat takes a step forward when he gets into pro ball, I think there's an outside shot that he could, ha- you know, post a season with a 375 OBP. So yeah, that, and, that's and why as, I was looking here. And as pitchers challenge him, I mean, like you said, it doesn't seem like he's too afraid to, to, to go after it either, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got decent feel for the barrel. So like he he can get the bat through the zone and make contact. He's just he's not going to be a guy who they're worried about giving up home runs to. He's got like six home runs and over 500 college play appearances. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um all right. So regarding those eight guys we've touched on today. So remember that again was Spencer Schwellenbach, the shortstop pitcher out of Nebraska, James Wood, the outfielder. Um Doug Nikhazy out of Old Miss, Gage Jump, another lefty out of a California high school, Thatcher Hurd, a righty out of California high school, South Relic, outfielder, uh, Dalen Lyle, an outfielder, a corner guy, probably a left fielder, and then Casey Oppitz, the catcher. Anything that you've remembered that you were like, oh man, I meant to say this about that guy before we maybe switch to just a rapid fire if you still have time? I don't think so. I think we cover these guys pretty well. Nothing else is really coming to mind. Um, uh, James Wood's a guy, he's actually, um, so IMG is in Bradenton, Florida, which is just probably over two hours from me. But a lot of like during the high school season, those a lot of those games are after work. 
uh, for me. And so he's, he was just out of my range of being able to go see uh, during the season. So that was unfortunate for me, but um, if the Cardinals take him, there's a, you know, there's a good chance I'll be able to see him a lot going forward. So that would be fun. Cool. All right, so let's get on to the rapid fire portion. There were eight guys that you told me you you felt like you knew enough about to talk about on the podcast. Um, a bunch of these guys are pitchers, just because um, I, I I don't know. I feel like uh, just having looked at names for potential first round picks at eighteen, uh, there were a few that we had touched on another podcast, but there were quite a few righties that maybe we didn't touch on enough that could go in that 18 to 54 range. And so thank you for being willing to talk about these guys. Um, let's go Ryan Kustik. He's a right-handed pitcher out of Wake Forest. Yeah. He's um, he's a guy who could fit really well into that uh, fastball quest, uh, question we talked about earlier. Um, he's got one of the biggest fastballs in the draft. I think he set some sort of record for, you know, uh, consistent velocity. He's hitting like over a hundred, um, quite a bit. Let me see. And he, he's just, he's more of a thrower than a pitcher right now. Um, he's got that huge fastball. It's, it's a big frame. He's like six, six. Uh, and in, in a lot of ways people will see him and think Tyler glass now a little bit. Um, but less, I would say less stuff. The, the breaking ball is not quite as good. Um, he's got a long way to go with like the, uh, developing a third pitch. So it's possible we see Cusick just kind of end up being a reliever, but either way, no matter how you go, it, it's a really fun profile. He's a big guy with a huge fastball um, who's had some college success. Awesome. Um, what about uh, old going back to Ole Miss, uh, a battery mate with not battery mate, a staff mate of Doug Nikhazy, uh Although, He's been injured this year, I believe. Gunner Hog is it Hogland or Hoagland? Uh, I call him Hoagland, uh, okay. but I, I I don't know if we have a, a definitive pronunciation. So pr- maybe we'll get that at the draft. That would be nice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Hoagland Hoagland is a, a breakout guy this year. Um, his velocity ticked up this spring, um, and he was sitting in the mid 90s, touching 97, and it really brought the whole profile to a new level. Um, you know, when you're able to throw harder like that, it makes all the other pitches uh, play up a little bit. Um, so for him, it's the change up in the slider. And he was just really dominating the spring before he um, before his elbow blew out and he had to get TJ. So, uh, you know, obviously that part's unfortunate, but he'd showed enough to scouts already that like, you know, he's like, hey, look at, you know, he, this is who I am now. And I, I think we'll see a team pop him in the first round um, just based on what they saw. Uh, earlier this spring, you know, the big fastball, um, he, he's got good deception from a crossfire delivery. Uh, you know, once again, Ole Miss pitcher with a crossfire delivery. Um, is that something he's, he's they target? Secondaries. You is know, that something I honestly don't know. Sorry. I, I'm not sure, but like now, like it makes me uh, more cognizant of it going forward. It's something I'm going to watch. Um, I just, frankly, I haven't been doing this long enough to really know that yet. Um, okay. But we're seeing a clear theme right now, so it's it's very possible. All right, so next I want to touch on a guy who I'd heard of before just because going uh, growing up in St. Louis, I'm a huge Cardinals fan, but I currently live in Kansas City, for those of you that don't know. Um, this kid was drafted in the 34th round by the Royals back out of high school in Texas. 
um, he kept his commitment to the University of Texas, staying in his home state. Uh, he is a right-handed pitcher uh, named Ty Madden. Tell us a little bit about Ty Madden. All right. Ty is a pretty good-sized righty from Texas. Like you said, he's like 6'3", I think 210. Um, and he's got another – it's another guy with a big fastball and a solid slider. Um, similar to Cusick, but uh, more of a pitcher than Cusick, I would say, at the – you know, at, at present. Um, probably had more college success than Cusick did as well. Um, the the drawbacks on Madden are that sometimes the, the fastball kind of flattens out a little bit and gets hittable. And the changeup is a work in progress for me. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it. And sometimes it's, it just kind of, it, it, it has what you, what you say is he kind of lacks a feel for it. Um, okay. And so for me, that really makes me wonder, like, is, is that feel ever going to come? And if it doesn't, it, it really kind of limits him to a potential like bullpen role. Cause I don't think the fastball and slider are good enough um, that he could, you know, turn over lineups multiple times as a starter. So that's something to watch. If you see him go high, I would say that means that the team really believes that they can help develop some uh, consistency with that change up and slider more. And if okay. you see him fall, then that's, you know, I, I think it kind of falls into more of like teams are hesitant about the secondaries. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so that was the first three, Kusick, Hogland, and Madden, or Hogland and Madden. Um, we do have three more college righties I want to talk about. Uh, first is a Florida righty named Tommy Mace. Uh, then a uh, – well, let's just go with Mace. Sorry. Go ahead. All right. No worries. Yeah, Mace is a big 6'6 righty out of Florida. Um pretty athletic on the mound and it's a it's a stuff and projection type profile over pitchability right now he's got a four seamer he uses two fastballs he's got a four seamer that gets up to 97 and then he's got a two seamer or sinker that kind of sits more in the low 90s and he really like those are his his best i think they're his best offerings right now but the curveball is his best secondary um but he's he's an interesting guy, and we've seen him throw you know a slider, a cutter, and a change in games across 2021. So you could tell he's got some feel for a, quite a wide variety. You know, it could be a very deep arsenal depending on what really comes together for him in the pros. But you know, it, it's when you see him on the mound, it, he's he's listed at six six two thirty. But when you see him out there, you're like, oh, it's it's really easy to see how this kid could still get you know bigger and stronger, adding weight as a pro. So you could see the fastball tick up even more in pro ball and, and sit like mid you know, mid nineties. So if you're going after Tommy Mace, it's, it's a, you're going to have to teach him how to pitch a little bit, but the stuff is really tantalizing. So he, he intrigues me a bit after hearing you talk about it. Cause it sounds like he could be a guy who goes the Lance Lynn route where if he gets bigger and stronger and, and his two best pitches are fastballs, if he can just locate those, then, you know, I just remember the old Lance Lynn interview that, that <laughs> they asked, you know, what pitch did you throw? Fastball. Fastball. <laughs> they were all fastballs. Um, and so, you know, I could I could see that just based on what you're saying. I haven't watched much video of, of Mace to know if that's true or not. But, but it, the intriguing part is, I mean, it could go that route or it sounds like he's just kind of toying with curveballs, sliders, changeups and everything and trying to figure out what works best for him and, and if you can find consistent ones, uh, uh, 
could be, yeah, like you said, just a deep arsenal of, of, of lots of pitches that could potentially work out for him. And, and that makes it even more intriguing to me, I think. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a little star by his name to make sure that I follow up with <laughs> where he goes in the draft. Uh, what about yeah. Sam Bach? Sam Bachman, another Florida guy, but University – oh, no, sorry. I saw University of Miami there, but it's University of Miami, Ohio, so not Florida. Um, yeah. What's what's going on with this writing? Bachman is a high-octane, we call it like a turbo sinker and slider type of guy. Um, the sinker touches triple digits, and it just – it's a ground ball machine. Guys have a really hard time lifting this ball. Um, it gets good movement, so it stays off barrels. And then the slider is also very effective. He throws it in the mid eighties and touches the low nineties. And it's just guys can't hit it. They just flat out can't hit it. Um, So it just makes for a really interesting profile. I don't know whether like the depth of the arsenal is going to be enough to keep him as a starter. Like he showed a a changeup that's flashed average. Um, And he's also had some health issues in the past. So it's it's tough to say, you know, it's really going to depend on the, the specific organization's feeling on his um, ability to develop a changeup and, and and maybe even just the health. Maybe they aren't concerned. Uh, maybe they are concerned with potential long term durability. Um, but this is a guy you could kind of see as either a starter or it's really easy to see him be fast tracked to the majors as a back of the bullpen type guy. Um He's just the stuff is just absolutely nasty, and so it wouldn't be super surprising if you saw a team take him and be like, "We see you as a potential closer of the future. But we just want you to go, fa- uh, you know, sinker slider and just dice guys up." So, I mean, obviously that's going to make easy comparisons for Cardinals fans. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Sounds like Jordan Hicks. Yeah, very similar. It's not quite you know one hundred three, but. I mean, who knows? Maybe by the time he gets to the majors, it it could look like that. But yeah, it's a it's a very apt comparison. It's just so if it's not. Stuff, oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I was just gonna say that it's it's not like super strikeout, um, you know, oriented stuff. It's more, I guess, you know, just bad contact, similar to Jordan, where you, sometimes you wonder like, why aren't the strike like his stuff is insane? Why aren't the strikeouts there? It's just that he's just making guys run into bad contact. He's hit, making guys hit it off the barrel. Or so, off, off of the barrel on the handle. <laughs> so it, let me give you another comparison then. If he stays as a starter, obviously if he's not hitting 103 now because who is, but right. um, he's probably more like high-octane turbo sinker being like upper 90s is my guess, sinking or sitting. Yeah. Um, if he goes into the majors, you said uh, you said that, Bachman has a slider, big slider, and then he's got a change as well. So it's three-pitch arsenal, kind of like maybe Dakota Hudson more than um, a guy that that gets lots of ground balls, uh, sits probably 90, I'm looking at the stats now, sits 93 to 94 with the fastball, but he gets those ones where he does touch 97, 98, but also has that upper 80s, low 90s slider to go with it um if if all works out for him as a starter could it be more that route than jordan hicks uh yeah i would say it's more of a uh better stuff than dakota um so i think dakota with probably a little bit more command and better stuff so it would be like the ideal 
ideal profile of a, of a Dakota Hudson type starter. Okay. All right. The last right-handed college pitcher I want to discuss. Uh, I, I don't know, honestly, where I would see the Cardinals taking this kid at 1854. If he'd go somewhere in between and the Cardinals wouldn't really have a shot at him, but Gavin yeah. Williams, Gavin Williams, a righty out of East Carolina. Yeah. So I think if the Cardinals want him, they, they're going to have to pop him at 18 if he gets there. So Gavin's thing has been, he's got incredible stuff. Um, but the command has been really iffy and he's had, uh, you know, trouble staying healthy throughout his career. But we saw the string, this the spring that everything really came together for him, and he was able to work his way back into the starting rotation for ECU. Uh, that's East Carolina, for those who don't know. And he has just absolutely dominated. Um, it's hard to, it's really hard to project where you think he's going to go because it's all going to depend on how much teams are buying in that he's going to be able to maintain. Uh, that command and health going forward to go along with the stuff. There's no question about the stuff. You know, the fastball is huge. It's up to 99. Uh, he's been, he, you know, everything is just kind of really effective. But what's going to, I guess, drive where he gets taken in the draft is just how much teams are buying in that, A, he's going to stay healthy and be a start, you know, be able to handle a starter's workload, and B, that he's going to throw enough strikes consistently. Um he really might have like the best stuff after you look at like rocker and lighter in the draft. Um, but it's kind of the rest of the profile is really the question here for Gavin. Gotcha. All right. So we're down to two guys that I had. And then if there's anybody you wanted to bring up, you've looked at lately that you're like, man, I, I feel like, I feel like he should be talked about. You can bring him up, them up at the end. But um, there were two guys who are prep kids who are two way athletes and, and the Cardinals with Mason win in the last draft. Um, have kind of piqued my interest a little bit about these two sport or not two sports, sorry, two way athletes. Um, these guys are both shortstop right-handed pitchers uh, out of prep. Like I said, um, Ryan Spikes and Drake Varnado, Vernado, I don't know. Um, you, you said you, Varnado. You, Varnado. Okay, so Ryan Spikes and Drake Varnado. You can take them in any order you want. Uh, make comparisons between them, ho however you want to describe Sure. Um, we'll start with Spikes here. Um, the the first thing you're going to notice about Spikes is that he's kind of an undersized guy, but he's very uh, he's just well muscled for a, a prep kid his size. Uh, he gets loud contact. He's got some, he's got good pop for the size is basically what you're looking at. And he consistently barrels the ball. Um, he moves well on the dirt. He's a pretty, you know, he, he probably ends up at second base or at a corner because he's probably just going to be, you, you kind of assume that he, he continues to fill out a little bit more and maybe gets a little too thick to stick at shortstop. Um, he's one of those guys who's a, he's a good performer and he's got good tools but the you know the lack of height is really the the biggest question, and and the the reason that scouts would have a question on that is just because you're trying to think of what the body's going to look like when he's 22 and 25 and 28, um, and so it's just hard to say when a guy is already short and thick like that, um, it makes it hard to guess at what he's going to look like when he gets older. Um, 
And so that might, that, that's the only real thing that kind of drives the profile down for him and why you'll see him go a little later in the draft compared to like how good the tools have been on the field and how good the production has been on the field. Talk about him a little bit as a pitcher as well, if you will. Oh, I think I lost you. Oh, uh, talk about him a little bit as well as a pitcher, if you, if you know anything on that side of the ball. Uh, to be honest, I really don't know a lot about as a pitcher. I've seen him okay. mostly as a hitter, and I really think that that is what teams will end up going with um, as, as like a developing him as a pro. And that size really kind of comes into play there as well. Like especially a, a shorter, stocky pitcher is just a tough profile as a prep guy that you know teams are going to be much more interested in the bat. I think. Okay, that makes sense. All right, what about Drake Vernado? Varnado's a little similar. I, I think that he's going to be um, a hitter over a pitcher. Um, he's kind of a all-around guy who really doesn't have a much of a flaw in his game. Um, he's got good contact. He gets the ball. He gets the barrel on the ball well. Um, he drives it pretty good. The, the approach is pretty balanced. Um, and we've seen him kind of. Uh, has refined his swing a little bit more. He used to have quite a bit of drift in his hands where, you know, the hands would move a lot pre-pitch and they've quieted down a little bit more. Um, it's, it's still there, but we've just kind of seen him have success on the field against, you know, top tier prep guys. Um, be, you know, because he is seen as, you know, or can be seen as a pitcher, I, I do think that he'll go, go into the, the bat, into the draft as a bat. Um, but he's got a very strong um, arm in the infield and, and, between that and his really smooth actions, sometimes you've seen them uh, la- labeled as almost lazy, but part of it's just he's got good instincts and he's really fluid in the field. And so it just kind of looks effortless sometimes. Um, when you put you know that kind of defensive profile together, it just makes it easy to see him sticking at shortstop. Okay. Do you, do you know much about him as a pitcher? Is it why they would go uh, go that over – Actually, let me let me stick with the hitting first. Um, as a position player, if he's an all-around guy, doesn't have many flaws, uh, good contact barrels the ball, drives the ball decently, balanced approach. Um, I'm guessing that you know he's not being talked about with other shortstops of the prep class because is he more of like high floor, low ceiling type? Like none of those are loud tools. I think that's a good way to put it is his tools don't jump off the page like they do with the guys at the top of the class. Your Marcelo Mayers, your Jordan Lawlers, you know, uh, Khalil Watson. Those guys all have super loud tools, um, whereas Drake is just a little bit more balanced in that sense, um, where it's it's more of like the, you know, a, a bag of average tools, so to speak. You know, you've got um, guys like that instead of one or two like really standout plus or plus plus tools. Right. So you're looking at a guy who comes up and, and he's a jack of all trades, kind of does everything well, but nothing, nothing is, is, you know, to dream on at the moment, I guess. Right. Right. Um, right. All right. All right. And then as a pitcher, uh, is he sticking with hitting to you because he does all these things so well, or because he's just better as a hitter than a pitcher or what, what you got there? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just more of that, like the the package on the field is just, it's very good. It's a very good package. And uh, it's, I to be honest, I just haven't really seen him much, much as a pitcher. And I think it's because he is such a solid hitter. Um, so 
yeah, it's I, I think the 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 hitting side just really kind of outweighs the pitching side for him. All right. Uh, anybody that you've seen recently, uh, whether live or video, that you just need to gush about for a minute? Oof, that's a great question. Uh, the other night, Will Bednar had a fantastic game um, in the College World Series. I think he had like 15 strikeouts. It was sensational. It's one of the uh, got to be one of the best starts of the whole year, and I think he really boosted his draft stock. And it's it's you. It, you may have talked about this with Matt. I don't quite remember what the timing was when you guys um, podcasted, but I think Bedmar really may have pushed himself into the first round um, as a lock. He was already kind of a borderline guy, but after his, his performance the other night, it, there's a, there's a strong chance. He's a, uh, finds himself called in the middle of the first round. All right. And then a uh, completely random question that I'm not, uh, that I didn't plan for. I, I feel like there's a, uh, there's a very good consensus kind of top, seven guys that are going to go in the draft. Like, I feel like I've seen like Henry Davis, the catcher out of Louisville, uh, the shortstops you've mentioned, like Khalil Watson, Marcelo Mayer, uh, Jordan Lawler. Um, uh, oh my gosh. Who's the fourth shortstop? Uh, oh my gosh. This is driving me crazy. Um, <laughs> oh, Brady house, Brady house. Oh, yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. and then the top two pitchers you've got are, it seems like lighter and rocker. Is there a guy that if you think there there's a guy that could break into the top seven and make, I don't even know who picks eighth. Let me look. Colorado Rockies. Could the Colorado Rockies pick up one of those seven or if the Colorado Rockies can pick up one of those seven, who is it that's going to break into the top seven that, that maybe previously wouldn't have anybody oh, playing an that well. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, there's, there's a guy who stands out quite a bit. His name is Jackson Job. Um, he has really come on strong the last year. He's another guy who like recently converted to pitching only like in the last year or so. And the stuff is just absolutely through the roof. Um, he's, I think he's sitting 95 to 97 now, um, touching 99. And he's got a massive slider that sits in the high eighties, but is getting, you know, spin rates well over 3000. So it's kind of like what we talked about with Hurd earlier, where he spins the ball really well. Job spins the ball really well. And he's throwing it about 10 miles an hour harder. Um, he's, he's just been an absolute monster this spring. Um, the profile, like he, he really popped up last summer on the uh, prep circuit, like doing the showcase stuff um, where that's you know the success there is what really pushed the profile it's like hey dude you need to be pitching you are really good at this um and he's just slowly gotten better over and over um over the course of the last year you know coming through the spring season he's been very strong and i would not be surprised to see jackson joe go in the top five okay interesting cool so that would be the easily the top prep arm in the draft then it sounds like yeah yeah okay Awesome. Yeah, I would. Well, be, I, I would see. I think he'll go ahead of Rocker. I think he will. Ooh, okay, you think Rocker's yeah. gonna fall? Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Rocker. I would almost guarantee if Rocker falls out of the top ten, I'd be really, really surprised. But um, I think okay. Rocker is probably in the five to seven range, a little bit more. Okay. All right. Well, I, I probably have kept you long enough. I told you to be around an hour. We're sitting at an hour ten. <laughs> um, so I, I do appreciate you sticking on for a little extra time here. Um. 
enjoy your prep for Friday's uh, draft again. So I'm just going to um, plug that just a little bit more. So first of all, Joe can be found on Twitter, jdrake349. And then Prospects Live is at Prospects Live. It is one of the top prospect, whether that's minors or draft, uh, websites that I know of. I love it. It's fantastic. Uh, Matt Thompson and his crew do just an amazing job there. Um, and Joe has transitioned, as he said, from the fantasy side of things uh, to more of the the prospecty side of things. And and I'm excited to see what he brings, uh, especially Friday. Friday is their their mock draft that they put on. It looks very professional last year. And uh, I'm guessing that Matt said they're going with the same program this year. So I'm guessing it's just going to be a slightly more refined version of what they had last year. And that that is very exciting. It is only the first round. So we'll only get to hear Joe call one name for the Cardinals. Um, any inkling on which way you're leaning at the moment for the Cardinals? Obviously, it's going to depend on the 17 picks before you. You know, if yeah. if, if if Jack Leiter falls to you, I don't think he's getting past 18. But that's not it. So, <laughs> I would uh, agree with that. <laughs> any any way you're any way you're leaning. Yeah. Um. So like we talked about before, I'm I'd be ecstatic if Sal Frelick somehow got to 18. I don't think he will. Another guy I've really got in mind is is Jordan Wicks. Um, he's got the best changeup in the draft. So it would be really exciting. He'd be a left-handed arm for the Cardinals, which I, I personally think they need kind of desperately. Um, he could start. Uh, I, I would be pretty excited if he got to 18. Um, Holland is another guy I think I would take a chance on there. And uh, you know, who knows, maybe in Will Bednar. I know I just we, we just ran off like a bunch of college pitchers. Um, but, yeah, it, it's really – it's tough because I really don't know who's – like who's leaning what in the first 17 picks. So that, right. that's going to drive the majority of it. But um, I think either it's probably going to end up being a college uh, college pitcher or maybe a tooled up hitter. We'll see. We'll see who's there. All right. Cool. Well, uh, you have fun with that. We will have fun watching. And uh, thank you, listeners, for everybody that's keeping this going because I, I just like to talk baseball with people, and it seems like y'all like to hear it. So. Uh, Keep the comments coming on Twitter and everybody have a good week until I talk to you again. Bye.